It's Easter Sunday morning, 2015, and today I kind of want to look at three men who were involved in the original Easter and to look at how their making assumptions were involved in the Easter story. Now, there was a man who was driving in town, and he was a conscientious driver. He came up to a stoplight, and it was turning yellow, so he calculated, I will not be able to make it through the light. So he stopped. But the problem was, the lady behind him had calculated that she could make it through the light behind him. And when he stopped, and she stopped, she was furious. She was so ticked off that she pulled up right on his bumper, got on her horn, rolled down her window, gave him a, an obscene gesture, and was cursing him out. But suddenly, out of the corner of her eye, the lady didn't realize there was a police car behind her. And a policeman came walking up to her car and said, Ma'am, get out of the car, put your hands on the hood, and spread eagle. And he handcuffed her and hauled her off to jail. Later, he brought her out and said, ma'am, I want to apologize to you. There has been a misunderstanding. And she said, there sure has. Why did you arrest me? The officer said, here's why. When I came up behind you, I noticed that you had rolled down your window, uh, basically given an obscene gesture, and were cursing out the man in front of you. But I noticed a license plate that said, choose life. And a bumper sticker that said, what would Jesus do? And another sticker that said, follow me to Sunday school. And then a little chrome-plated little fish that symbolizes that you're a Christian. And ma'am, I just assumed that the car was stolen. <laughs> so what's the moral of the story? Well, two assumptions took place. First, the officer made the mistake of assuming the car was stolen. And the woman made the mistake of of behaving as if it didn't matter. So there is a great danger when we get caught in the trap and the act of assuming. And we want to look at how assuming affected three men's lives on that first Easter. What you notice is that there were three deadly assumptions. The first was the assumption that that you think more of yourself than you deserve. The assuming that you can do better as a person. See, the apostle Peter made that assumption about himself. Peter assumed that he was strong enough to stand with Jesus no matter what came his way. Peter made that false assumption and he said, I'll never leave you or forsake you, Lord. Peter should have known he couldn't have that amount of strength by himself alone. And just like he failed when he got out of the boat and started walking on water and sank, Peter failed Jesus at this crucial time. Now, do you think we make false assumptions about ourselves? You know, there's, uh, there's that thought that we have that strength within, but... There was a t-shirt at one time that said, there is a God on the front and on the backside it said, and you're not him. Well, Peter didn't understand that. How many times have we falsely assumed that we were in control? 
that we can take the place of God so we can say things like, well, I can take care of myself and I really don't need God in this decision. I really don't need to obey all his commandments. So I'll, I'll compromise a few of his commandments. Who's going to know? No one's going to get hurt. And those are false assumptions. And those assumptions are you trying to play God. Make up your own rule, thinking there are no consequences. One minister said, if you break God's laws, God's laws are going to break you. And if you make false assumptions, those false assumptions are going to break you. Just like Peter's assumption that he could face death in the face. And yet he ended up denying Jesus three times. And if we make false assumptions about ourselves, we're going to end up like Peter. So don't make false assumptions about yourself. Also, don't make false assumptions about other people. Do you think people do that? Make false assumptions about others? Look at Jesus. When he was taken before Pontius Pilate, Pilate didn't want to kill him. Pilate's wife had had a dream about this man, and she said, you need to, to let him go. So Pilate had him beaten. Pilate had him scourged. And he gave the people a choice, assuming the people would make the right choice. He said, do I turn loose this harmless man, Jesus Christ, or let go a murderer and thief and insurrectionist, a bad person like Barabbas? Pilate thought it ought to be an easy choice, since so many people were just honoring Jesus that good or that Palm Sunday. But the people didn't make the right choice. Have you ever made the mistake of assuming or relying on people making the right choices and coming through? And do you hear of people that have made false assumptions? Let me give you one. I had this happen to me in pastoring in another church. A person said, I saw the pastor's car in front of a, of, of a house of one of our single moms. What was the pastor doing there? Well, that was a car like my car. It wasn't my car at that house. And the person said, well, I just assumed. Well, let's say there's a, a deacon, Tim Glover or Rob Ever over here, leaving the bar late at night. The assumption might be uh, they're in the bar drinking and having a good time. When the fact may be they went to pick up a co-worker a friend that had been drinking too much and didn't want to get pulled over coming home. Or another assumption sometimes. Hey, the praise band's in here practicing at 10 o'clock. Don't those heathens ever go to Sunday school? Well, that's an assumption, but the fact is, every Monday night they have practice, and they do the next week's Sunday school lesson on Monday night to prepare them so they won't have to miss the Sunday school lesson. Isn't it amazing how we assume? Why don't we tend to assume the worst about other people? But another thing that we do when we talk about assumptions is we often assume the best about ourselves. 
Maybe it's because we're self-centered. And by the way, do you ever blame someone else or blame other people for the mistakes you make, assuming it's someone else's fault? Well, I wouldn't be the way I was if it wasn't for my parents. Or I'd be a lot more intelligent and have a better job if I'd had better teachers in school. Or I wouldn't have lost my job if my jerk boss hadn't come into my office on a bad day. Or my life would have been a lot better if I had married somebody different. It's my spouse's fault. Or I'd have a better reputation if I hadn't had those children. Isn't it amazing how we just love to blame on anyone but ourselves? When when are we going to stop blaming other people for our own bad and sometimes sinful decisions? Yeah, there's a lot of people in our lives that we can explain it away by saying, it's their fault, they led me to do that, but you still make the choice to sin. And you can't use others as an excuse before God for what you do. Others can't ultimately be the reason for your wrong decisions. You have to make those decisions. Pilate made a wrong choice, a wrong assumption that the people would pick Jesus and free him and not Barabbas. But also, as the governor of the region, he had the power to correct that mistake. He had the power to listen to his wife and set Jesus free, but instead, he allowed Jesus to be crucified. Pilate let the people's choice stand. And you know, just a few years later, Pilate came down hard on some Syrian worshipers and murdered them in their temple. And there was such an outrage that representatives from Syria went back to Rome and Pilate was recalled to Rome and tried and judged and exiled to Gaul. And there, Pilate committed suicide. So like Peter, don't make false assumptions about yourself. And like Pilate, don't make false assumptions about others. And the third individuals I want to look at today is the religious leaders. And tell you, don't make false assumptions about God. The religious leaders assumed that they were doing what God wanted them to do when they crucified Jesus Christ. Yet, those very religious leaders ignored the Old Testament prophecies that predicted Jesus' coming. They examined, but yet explained away his, his miracles that they saw him perform as being from the power of Satan or some magic. They misinterpreted his teachings because they were blind to the truth. They, they even made a deal with their dreaded enemies and conquerors, the Romans, to have Jesus killed since it wasn't in their power or authority to crucify, to execute him. But just like the religious leaders of that day, 
Don't we assume that we can cut corners when it comes to God and that there won't be any consequences? Don't you think we make false assumptions about God today? A God of love wouldn't punish me for my sin or disobedience. After all, he is a God of love. Oh, surely God wouldn't remove his blessing from our nation just because of our clear disregard of his commands. And surely me, as long as I go to church and say the right things, God wouldn't remove his blessing from me for the sin I do in secret. That's called assuming. And assuming leads to disobedience. And the religious leaders assumed they were doing what God and what the Old Testament scripture wanted by getting rid of Jesus Christ. Even though there was proof to the opposite of that. Even when Jesus died, we see the temple veil was torn from top to bottom to show that the priest would no longer be needed. Those religious leaders would not be required. God was available because the people could go directly to him through his resurrected son, Jesus Christ. And a few years later, about 70 AD, the same Romans that the religious leaders made a deal with would invade Israel, destroy the temple, burn it to the ground, pull up the floor to get the gold that had melted into the cracks of the floor out of it and destroy the nation. All because they had made a false assumption about God. So rather than assuming things about ourselves and about others and about God, Easter is about building your life on certainty. The empty tomb is a, is a reminder that we can build our lives on the risen Savior. That Jesus Christ can be an anchor for our lives so that we don't have to worry about each other. Now let me ask you a question that can help you determine whether you're building your lives on assumptions or whether you're building your lives on the true anchor, which is Jesus Christ. If you could summarize your life, if you could summarize your life in one sentence, what would it say? If you were to write your obituary, the paragraph explaining what your life is about, what would it say? I worked for 35 years at that plant or that business or taught at that school system. I was a Colts fan. I was an IU Purdue fan. I was a member of the, this civic organization and that organization. Or would that sentence or that statement show that you built your life on the risen Savior and say things like, he served his church. She taught Sunday school for over 20 years. He and she went on mission trips and tried to make a difference working in their community. She and he loved her family. See, in our passage today that Tim read, 
from Acts 13.36, we see how David, King David's life was summarized. And in verse 36, it said, Now when King David served God's purpose in his own generation, he fell asleep and was buried with his ancestors. Here you have in one phrase, in one sentence, a statement about David's life, David's epithet. He served God in his generation. In fact, Scripture refers to King David as a, as a man after God's own heart, and we do know he was a sinner too. But David was a man after God's own heart because he had a servant's heart. And even though he was a great king, and he, he never lost his passion to serve. And notice what the epitaph in Acts 13 didn't say. It didn't say David killed Goliath. David defeated the Philistines. David built Israel into a great nation. The first thing that the scripture remembers about David in Acts is he served. And isn't that the example Jesus Christ gives us? A servant's heart not an assuming heart. In Matthew 10, 42, Jesus tells us, whoever wants to be great among you must be your servant. And in verse 45 of Matthew 10, he says, for even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life as ransom. That's what the message of Easter morning is about. Yes, Jesus died on that cross but he rose again. And yes, we can serve the risen Lord, but we can be taught so much by even saints like David, where he said in Psalm 86, 11, teach me your way, O Lord, that I may rely on your faithfulness and give me an undivided heart. David asked of God, give me an undivided heart. That I may fear your name, I will praise you, my Lord God. With all of my heart, I will glorify your name. So here's the great divide. Do we have a heart that assumes, or do we have an undivided heart? So this is Easter. Let's leave behind all those wrong assumptions. Wrong assumptions about ourselves about others, about God. And let's have an undivided heart so that our obituary, our statement about our life can be summarized by saying he or she served God's purpose in their own generation. Let us pray. Lord, we thank you for so many that have come out for this Easter celebration. We thank you for the empty tomb and the risen Lord. And now, Lord, we just ask that you would fill our hearts with your love. This is the greatest day for the Christian faith, greater than Christmas, because we receive the greatest gift of all, our salvation and eternal life. And we just pray that your hand would be upon us.
as we go through today to remember this. It's in your name we pray. Amen.